0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mastass, which this week might stand for Mark and Sarah talk about Stipe, This is episode 70. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I am here with my glorious co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark.
2: If you believe they put a podcast on the moon,
1: (laughs) it wouldn't be ours yet. (laughs) Uh, That's right, folks. It is an every five episodes ranking episode. Uh, We are ranking R.E.M.'s Out of Time album. I am super excited about this. I've really resisted like dumping all my feels into instant messenger on Mark, because we like to come to this fresh. We like to save it for the fight. Mark, please explain a little bit about how these work for any new listeners and also the fun twist on the voting that we've got this time.
2: Great. Sure. Yes. So uh, for those of you who have never heard one of our ranking episodes before, here's what happens. We take the number of songs that are on an album and we assign I would a system of point values. So if there are 11 songs on an album, one song gets one point, one song gets two points, one song gets three points, so on, all the way up until 11 points are granted to the song that we like most. So Sarah chooses her 11-point song, I choose my 11-point song. That's how the points are done. But we go through the album in chronological order. So, for instance, if we were to start, an, uh, if this were a different REM album and we started with the song Drive, and Drive, say, I gave, I gave it five points and Sarah gave it six points, that, that's how it goes. Um, I'm going to assume that that made sense. You'll see. If, if If it's confusing, just listen. It'll make sense as you go along. This time, however, just as our Patreon subscribers chose the album that we would rank because we gave them a list of five choices, and this was the album that got the most votes, they are also now able to vote on songs themselves. So if you are a Patreon subscriber at the Madonna level or higher, you were invited to choose your favorite songs off of this album. And each vote that a song got in the Patreon poll counts as one point toward the song's overall total in this ranking. That means, as it did during our recent episode where we ranked songs named Stay, that the Patreon subscribers' votes can actually shift where a song ends at the end of the day which I think is pretty cool. And if you are feeling like this is a cool thing you want to be part of, well, we would love to have you. So, you can become a Patreon subscriber by going to patreon.com/mastus. That's p a slash e o n.com/mastus. And again, we want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers who voted to not only get us to rank about to uh, rank this album, but also throw their voices into the mix and help uh, affect songs ultimate positions and uh sarah i think that may have been marginally helpful
1: (laughs) i yeah um it maybe it is one of those you had to be there things but you do have to kind of be here uh we're going to be explaining how we feel about the songs as we usually do and then you know we'll just go through the album we'll tell you the point values we'll tot them all up at the end while i play a little hold music It'll be great. It's not that difficult. Our listeners are extremely smart, as well as uh, sweet-smelling. So, without further ado, shall we begin with a song that I do not find either smart or sweet-smelling?
2: Uh, wait, who let Train in here? Oh, well, you're not talking about Train. Uh, so, th- The album, Out of Time, opens with the song, Radio Song, uh, which features the rapper KRS-One, and Sarah and I do not share our feelings about these songs before we start this episode, so I can already tell you we're starting in opposite places, but before we get in that conversation, let's hear a little bit of the song, Radio Song. Crying,
0: crying. It's that same, same song on the radio that makes me sad. I meant to turn it off, to say That same, same song sucks
1: Makes me sad I tried to... Okay Here's the thing This song does a lot of things well Actually um, It's a good it, like, it sounds like R.E.M. There's that bell tone guitar in it um, I love KRS-One Not a problem there Uh, there are, um, there are, like, chord progressions that, like, shout forward to other songs on the album. That's cool. It's a smart, tonal choice to begin the album. I must say, however, that Michael Stipe's sideways baseball cap in video makes me want to punch him and everyone he has ever met to death. It's not rational, it has nothing to do with the song "Qua Song," but once you've seen the once you've seen the video and been reminded about like whatever it was 1990 and 1991, and I get that choices were made that would not be made the same way again. I can say that about myself and my own poems of the time, which were vomtastic. <laughs> I just. It's weird that like he disavowed a song later on the album as being some like crappy thing for kids. But then this seems like a very obvious play, even in the title, to have like a radio friendly hit, which Mm. I think it was. But uh, this is also a song that I skipped when I was listening to the album. And generally speaking, like side one of this tape I had way less use for it than side two, as it turns out. Um, yeah, so I get why people would enjoy it. It's not like that's baffling to me, but I have seen the sideways baseball cap, and I cannot unsee it. This is my dead last song on the album. Whoa. One
2: point. Whoa. Down. Coming out of the gate with str- strength, <sighs> passion, Hot fury.
1: take. But it sounds like you disagree. I claimed on Twitter that we were going—that I felt like we were going to be fairly closely aligned in these rankings this time. I'm already we know wrong. Better. Hit me. We
2: should know better. I know. Okay, so I had such a crush on Michael Stipe in this period when I was 12, really 12 and 13 when this album was popular. That's legit. And I didn't—he wasn't out at the time, but something in me knew. <laughs> and I can just remember, for instance, when he did the MTV Unplugged and he had his little sweatpants pulled up and just, I just thought he was so cute. And there was something to me so impish about the baseball cap <laughs> in this video uh-huh. that I was like, he's so cute. Um, so I, I, my heart swerves in the opposite direction. But I will say that for me, I just in, now in retrospect, because um, I actually didn't rewatch the video for any of these songs now that you mention it uh weirdly i just i only listen to the album but although the smart. videos are burned in my brain
1: smart <laughs> Real but smart.
2: uh i really like this song even though it is a little cute poo now to think about a song that admonishes the radio for negatively affecting kids minds and it's like mm, nowadays me kids sad. don't listen to the
1: radio Ugh. It's like it, okay we-
2: Now it would be like Spotify song. (laughs) Try to sing along. Hashtag hey. Damn that playlist. Hashtag hash hash hash. But that being said, I really like that uh, that REM in this album overall, I feel like, is making a very strange record that just happened to be a massive success because. This song is weird. A lot of the songs on this album are weird, are in fact weirder than I had remembered because I hadn't listened to this album intently in quite some time. And this is a a jangly, folky song about how the radio is destroying everything that also includes KRS-One and kind of rocks. So to me, the ultimate thing to say is that this weirdness also sounds funky and cool and I like that it sticks in my brain and makes me happy. So I put it in fourth place and gave it eight points. Oh, shit. And our listeners, our Patreon subscribers, gave it five points in the poll. Okay. So that means that Radio Song comes out the gate with 14.
1: All right. Well, um... (laughs) Probably setting a new school and pool for points, of course, is our next song Mm -hmm. on the album, Losing My Religion, which was a gigantic hit uh, in the summer of 1991 when this, you literally could not go anywhere.
2: Oh, everywhere. Yeah. And if you if you did not see this video six million times, it was only because you both didn't have a television and never walked anywhere where televisions were. Yeah. I mean, this video was always on.
1: And it was this song. It was Unbelievable by E-M- EMF. Yeah, thank you. I was about to be like KLF. I do that every time. It's never KLF. Um, And uh, Right Here, Right Now by Jesus Jones. You're right.
2: I it had was a, like great alternative rock surge of ninety one.
1: I had basically like a driving job, like I was a I was a um, independent company tester of swimming pools in the state of New Jersey. So I spent a lot of time in the car and listened to a lot of radio. And in addition to that, I uh, was watching nine hundred two one zero when it was on. And for my podcast again with this, I am watching it again. So. If, you know, when Brando is breaking up with Dylan, you're spending a lot of time with this song. Not that they could get the rights on the DVD, thank God. Uh, I actually, like, I find this video unwatchable, mostly because it is exactly the kind of, like, anthropology, um dying of tuberculosis foolishness that I thought was so like insightful back then like a lot of the things I sometimes hate about this album and Michael Stipe are things that I totally hated about myself in the early 90s but well let's listen to a clip and then I'll talk a little bit about how the song won me over but we both picked this clip because you can't not have a clip of losing my religion in this rank correct so let's listen
0: Consider this Consider this Hint of the century Consider this
2: So, before we go any further, I have to say, I had a poster in my room that was the four REM guys in a scene from this video, and Zach Morris also had that poster on his bedroom wall in Saved by the Bell. Huh. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I,
1: I forgive you both. Just kidding. Um, yeah, this, again, it's the showy, skinny, sad boy, dream journal shit that... The thing is this whole album does seem like various people in the band talking about their dreams and sometimes that's successful and sometimes that's annoying like it is in life. My issue with the with the song lyrically and this comes up a couple of times on this album is like the listing of rhymy words that's supposed to be deep but is actually just lazy. That he's like try cry fly <laughs> other kind of fly that's a bug like okay you know what to take a minute and put some other words in there but as a song melodically this song holds up a lot better than I thought it would like I hadn't been around it in a while and it's like it was familiar but in a in a like pleasant you know, hello, person I used to know that I only really need to have this one conversation with, and then we can go back to not really hanging out for another few years. How's it going? You seem well. I'm so glad. See you in 2022. So, this one for me was right in the middle, number six, six points. All right.
2: Very good. Very good so this is a song that i have had a very different relationship with over the years when it first came out i was just like oh this video is really cool it's on all the time the sound is really good my dad likes this album so we can listen to it in the car on the way to my middle school and i don't feel like i'm being forced to listen to some sad old oldies bullshit. It's like a <laughs> contemporary album that we can agree on uh, and I always liked the song because, yes, melodically, it is great. And I didn't really understand what it was about because, you know, losing my religion, I don't know. I We don't go to church anymore. I guess I did that too. But then, years and years later, I don't even remember when now, I read an interview with Michael Stipe where he talked about the meaning of this song. And he said, losing my religion is a phrase that he had heard growing up in Georgia that means losing my cool Basically, not acting polite. Like I'm acting a mess right now. I'm losing my religion. Or,
1: uh, dropped your god is how they would say it in some parts of Philly. Yeah, she dropped. Sure, fair enough. Yeah, left the god out. And
2: then he, he also said that he wrote this because he was heartbroken and obsessed with the end of a relationship with a man, and. I listened to the lyrics again from that point of view, and I had just exited a really abusive, emotionally abusive relationship myself. And when I thought about this in the terms of feeling like you were being destroyed by the man that you loved but you knew you couldn't because it was a terrible relationship, suddenly I realized, oh my god, these lyrics are actually something I really relate to. Uh, oh, life is bigger, it's bigger than you, and you are not me. The links that I will go to, the distance in your eyes, oh no, I've said too much. And then, like, you're just like, I, I can't stop talking to you. Stop! And then that idea of that's me in the corner, and yet while I'm trying to hide over here and lose my shit privately, I also feel like I'm in a spotlight so that the entire world can see me losing my shit. And this the thing about I'm trying to keep up with you, and you, I can't, and you're just, like, killing me, but I love you, and it's just terrible... All of that resonated with me so much so that now as an adult, I love this song more than I ever did as a kid. And it is the only song, one well, let's say this, one of the few REM songs that lyrically I connect to on a personal level, because there is a lot of dream journal-y type writing in REM's canon. They've actually said that Fall on Me doesn't mean anything. So, okay. And uh, But this one, to me, these lyrics, they really, really stick with me. And the, the timelessness of the melody combined puts that for me uh, in second place. And I know you're thinking, Mark, after that ranking endorsement and it's only second place, well, there is another song on here that's going to be in first, obvi. And I think, uh, think for I me, know what it
1: is, but I was super wrong before. So who Hi. could say...
2: So I'm giving this ten points, and the listeners gave it five points. So that means that it now has twenty one points total.
1: It was tied with Radio Song amongst our yes Patreons.
2: Amazing. Yes, they they gave. There are three songs that got five points each on this album, and it was Radio Song, Losing My Religion, and one other. And I was like, you know what, y'all, go ahead, live your beautiful life, speak your beautiful truth. I'm not sure I understand you, but I will bless you. how are my dreams I'll tell you about them tonight oh
1: boy um well that's gonna come up again in the third song on the album which is called low um do we have a clip for this we do not um okay this song it's funny like I ranked it pretty low but as it were (laughs) but it just never quite catches fire like it seems like it should or is about to and then there's more of that workshoppy like light, white, light, white, bright. bright. Like, is bright, that yes. like that moment in that documentary now episode that's the parody of um, Spaulding Grey where he's like home, home, home. Like I was like, Oh my God. Like at, you, you have to step back from yourself sometimes, but I don't think this is Stipe singing this one, right?
2: No, it is. Oh, is it? Okay. In his like crazily low register. Okay.
1: Um yeah i i wanted this song this song always seems like it's on the verge and then it's over and also you and me we know about time like what does that even mean but that's in a, in a good way and then they don't capitalize on that so this one i just found disappointing it had all the tools and did not enough with them so this is my number 10 song two points
2: two points well, I agree with you. I feel like this song, it's such a come down melodically to go from the the zest of the first two songs into this song, which is to my ear, not just slow, but basically dead. It, it feels like the this, I find the low register of Michael Stipe's voice unple- unpleasant to hear <laughs> for this much of a song. Yeah he doesn't have very much, exp- he doesn't have enough control over his lower register to sing expressively. Yeah. So it's just like, I'm singing down here. And, and it's like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna come at me with that, I'm going to need the music to be a little bit more interesting, but the music is so literally interprets the word low, like low energy, low, everything. Yeah, low so,
1: opinion from us. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So I also I put this song last in eleventh place and I gave it one point. Although there is one Patreon subscriber who gave it a vote, and honestly, I lay a hand of blessing upon you. So, Lo gets one point from the Patreon subscribers for a grand total of four
1: oh, points. Shit. Burr.
2: <laughs> there must be some toros in the atmosphere. I,
1: yeah, I mean to tell you. Actually, we have a sound drop for that. Would you like to hear it? Oh, please. Yes. (laughs) Where'd it go? Ah, yes.
0: Masses.
2: Oh, my God. The fact that you had that, this is like the second time in as many weeks when I feel like something has just bubbled out of my brain and you've said, well, I have a sound for that. And that's because you're my heart. Yeah, literally. (laughs)
1: pleased to understand that uh our esteemed colleague john ramos and i have a podcast about veronica mars it's called go pirates and we have seriously half the movie of bring it on chopped up and put in the soundboard <laughs> for moments like this like uh, poor aaron r.i.p being like uh-uh not cool <laughs> oh, good times um speaking of uh-uh not cool did you have anything else to say about low?
2: No, I've I, to to dog on it more would be unfair to dogs.
1: Well, and also I just don't care that much about it. That's the real yeah. issue. Yeah.
2: So one thing that I think is important to say about near wild heaven is that it is rare in the REM canon because it does not feature lead vocals by Michael Stipe. Instead, it features lead vocals by everyone's favorite nerdy optometrist, Mike Mills. <laughs> he of the shaggy haircut and giant, giant, my God, they're so giant glasses. Uh, But Near Wild Heaven is a really charming little ditty, I think. It's uh, got a sort of Indigo Girls Power of Two quality, although as Sarah pointed out about other songs on this album, it definitely has a Dream Journal vibe. There's there's a conceit in the lyrics where it's like 10,000 words I didn't say, 20,000 tears you didn't cry, 30,000 stars in the sky. It just sort of latches on to that eighth grade conceit of parallel structure and really goes for it. But as is so often the case with R.E.M., the lyrics power through because the music is so satisfying. So I ended up giving this song seven points, which means that I put it in fifth place.
1: I ranked it somewhat lower. Um Y'all should seek out this video if you have a chance. Like, it is the 90s. Just (laughs) so 90s. Um, I like the song. It was, like, a good break for me from the, like, Stipe just is not light and has, at this point, had no humor or no, like, humor that wasn't, that you weren't supposed to notice. Like, it just, sometimes he's disappearing into his, you know, anorectic grief navel this felt i see what you're saying about the parallel structure that part of it i found charming because it was so uh i don't want to say basic because that has implications now but like elemental like the Mm. way that you would hear it in like a greek epic poem like as a as a time marker for the Mm. for the oral Mm -hmm. historian (laughs) oral historian um but That's what she yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. That's what she said. <laughs> uh, thank you. So, it, yeah, I just don't... It hasn't aged very well. Like, I see what it's trying to do, but it felt kind of like an exercise for um, Mike Mills, and it's not entirely successful for me. I don't hate it. I like it better than Low, but only one point better than Low. This is my number nine song with three points.
2: Ooh, and three points is also how many... Uh, it got from our Patreon subscribers, which means that Near Wild Heaven ends with a total of thirteen points. Oh,
1: not bad. Uh-
2: uh, next up, we have a f- almost four minute instrumental, essentially called Endgame, which I don't think is related to the Beckett play. I don't think we should be considering people living in trash cans uh, on a wasteland while we listen to this song. It's end uh, Endgame is fine. It's the, the, Michael Stipe does some syllabic singing of ba da 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 I actually was surprised to realize that this song is almost four minutes long because I don't find it very difficult to listen to even though not much happens. It's not like a dynamic instrumental. But again, it's, ju- it's just sort of, it feels transitional to me somehow and I feel like there's something about the middle of this album, like songs four, five, and six that that it's somehow off in its sequencing to me. Like there's something too diffuse about it. I don't know. Well, that this is like the end this... of
1: side one. And it's like, oh, we okay. need another song because the timing was out of whack. So they like wrote this, what seems to me very passive aggressively, like that um, they mess with the timing and it's very pretentious and they can't put it on the radio. And I'm kind of curious oh. as to what the lyrics could have been.
2: You know what? That that makes sense that this is a throwback from the era of albums and tapes when you had sides. Exactly. And Endgame makes more sense when you think of it as it's the end of side A. Yeah.
1: I mean, I like it because there's a lot of like lyric laziness happening in the couple songs before it. So I Mm -hmm. find it pleasant to listen to. And it's a little break from the like pretension barrage we've been subject to immediately prior. So I actually ranked it pretty high. Huh. I, it was my number seven five points i mean it's not like high but higher than you'd think but, for kind yeah, of a nothing i like the i like the well, chord I, progression in the opening it's sort of it's interesting i i mean it's fine five points
2: well you know and again it is pleasant to listen to the only song on this album that i don't like listening to is low and we're past that already so even though i put this song 10th and only gave it two points i'm not mad at it i'm not like trying to raise a court case against it but you know it's just neither here nor there for me okay so that's fair and the patreon subscribers did not give this song any points sadly so that leaves us with seven points for end game
1: and now so
2: <laughs> now well we surprisingly enough we because sarah and i choose in advance without telling each other which clips we want to call for we don't know what's going to get played on the show or not until we've uh, sent each other our requests and neither one of us chose a clip from shiny happy people which is next but i feel like sarah at the same time this is a song that must be discussed I,
1: i really thought that i i was really torn because i was like you know what i don't actually need to pull a clip from this but here's the thing This song, I was bracing for this song for the five songs before Mm -hmm. it. And like, I I happened to review it while I was watching yet another dumb wiener nineties video with like found art murals and old people doing quaint things with bicycles. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to fucking kill someone. And then my notes are like, wow, I don't totally hate this. Wow. I love this opening guitar line. Oh my God. Kate Pearson, please come sit in my lap. Like, her harmony line is so beautiful and joyful. And yes, I know that Michael Stipe is like, this is quote a fruity pop song written for children. Like there are children in the video, but he, he clearly does not want to be there and is about to break out in something extremely painful and itchy. She is loving. She is loving it. Like, and there's a guy on stilts and there's a guy with those Arsenio glasses that the flip down with the flip down shade part and a girl in a daisy dress like everything about this is super 90s. But then like this song was like actually extremely pleasant and fun and kind of um, Pee Wee's Playhouse, but not in any of the creepy ways.
2: Perfect perfect analogy that is a perfect
1: analogy. kate is like she could not be happier she's surrounded by people who are shorter than she is for a change which i think she probably makes her happy because she projects big she's pretty teeny and her voice is so beautiful and appealing and inviting and this was my number four song to my utter shock eight points
2: yes well i'll tell you what I also love this song. This song also makes me very happy. I completely agree with you about her vocal line. I think that the the progression from Michael Stipe singing, and then Mike Mills adds his bit, and she adds her bit, I love the way that that works. And you know what? Guess what? A song can be awesome even if it's just about being shiny, happy people. There, there's no irony here. There's no subtext. There's no strained pain. And I can understand why Michael Stipe, given the type of artist that he is, would need to distance himself from this and may want to distance himself from this. But guess what? It doesn't matter. I'm not Michael Stipe. I don't have to front. I think this song is great. And uh, this song was a number 10 hit. And I, I am not a fan of uh, musicians disowning their hits because those are the songs that people liked like don't act like you're too good now i do think that there are other songs on this album that are more compelling but that does not mean i don't love this song because i really really do and i put the song at number six and gave it six points and
1: i think that we will probably use this as the outro so that we can all hear kate pearson being like happy happy happy
2: oh my gosh you're because so right he's, he's that's sort of
1: out front call. like so shiny happy people what a bunch of suckers and she's like no, no 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 happy i love her
2: and like how could you not be happy wearing that red dress
1: she's the best
2: and so patreon subscribers gave this three points so that is a total of 17 for shiny happy peeps that's not bad i really no. did not
1: think it was going to do that well certainly i did not think it would do that well in my heart
2: And yet, your heart is shiny and happy. Oh, I should also say, you know what, the day or shortly after the horrible day that Trump got elected president, I actually found a lot of solace in this song. True story. I needed something to make me feel better, and I thought, fuck it, I'm going to play a song called, I'm going to play Shiny Happy People, and it actually worked. I listened to it a couple of times in a row, and for a few minutes, I was just in a better mood in the midst of that horror show, which continues to unfold all around us. So the song actually, to me, gets uh, some love in my heart as well. But, um, Sarah, I believe you did call for a clip from our next song, which is Belong. I, I
1: did. And you know what you need to not listen to after a sort of political and cultural reversal like Trump's uh, Trump's inauguration? You don't need to listen to this song. I'll talk about it in a second. But first, here's a clip.
0: can only hold for so long. Her collapsed She took the child, held tight, opened the window. Her breath, the song...
1: there's a lot to be annoyed by here. Uh, the very pointed, like the C C like S E A slash S E like, aha. Uh-huh, we're, we're all English majors here. Stipey settled down. The world collapsed on a Sunday morning. Like I, I get it. Give me a break. But this song speaks to me somehow. Like this is one of the, this is one of the times where I think that, um, dream journal quality really works for this album. I think the bass is perfect. I love that high harmony that comes in at the end of that last clip, The it's pretentious, but the simplicity of it is appealing to me. Uh, I just think it's mm-hmm. very, I think it's it evokes that feeling of just sort of like waking up from a bad dream and like you're relieved to be awake. It's one of the sweetest feelings in the world is being like, oh, that's, that's not real. <laughs> like we're here. But then it's mm-hmm. you have that like dream hangover all day, so there, that bitter bittersweetness is in the uh, is in the melody and the harmony lines. I feel, and I just think it's a great song that I listened to a few times because I was like, oh yeah, like I used to listen to this song a lot. It's a great mm-hmm. driving song, and it's my number two song. Ten points.
2: Nice. Well, and for me, what I was saying before about this album being really weird, but also massively popular, is encapsulated here. Because this is a f- long, s- mostly spoken word song that I think very few chart-topping bands would ever attempt something like this. Maybe you too and at this, this time. this the time but, to do it, you know, too. That like
1: doing that poetry slam lane yes. as a culture. So, yeah.
2: That's correct. Like you, th- totally. This is the kind of thing that Angela <laughs> Chase would have totally dug. Right?
1: He does lean great, my boy. But, uh,
2: but I—he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> I call her Red. Anyway, the uh, to me, one of the things I really like about this song is that the lyrics succeed poetically to me because they're just about one specific moment—the moment. The moment that the woman decides to pick up her child and tell the child to go out into the world and know that the child belongs there. That's so simple and so easy to wrap your mind around, and they just keep coming back to that image, and they build emotionally on the power of that image, and there's something where Michael Stipe's lower register doesn't work for me in low, but it totally works here when he's just speaking. And I think there's a grandeur here that the band achieves because they are willing to go for it. And, you know, it was really something about this song made me realize that I was glad to be listening to this album as a whole and thinking about this album as a whole, because no one is ever going to select this song as their favorite song on this album. Well, (laughs) most, I I should say that the radio stations are never going to MTV is never going to, you know, like this is never going to be the single, but this song is so distinct and it is so uh, compelling and it says so much about who REM was when they were at this point in their career. And I think this is, this song in a way to me encapsulates why this album sure. is worth talking and about. I, that makes sense. I wonder
1: also, I wonder if they tried it with Stipe singing and then it was like, this is way too much with you singing. You have to just speak it almost in a monotone.
2: Yeah. I would be fascinated to know because it, it, there's something about his emotional his lack of emotional affect that somehow makes it work more because then you get that building crescendo of sounds as they sing the heart, the the, the climax or whatever. It's really good. Now, anyway, all of, all of that said, I still only put this song seventh, but that to me is just a testament to how good this album is because I really would never skip this song and really was happy to hear it. And so that, I give it five points. Surprisingly, I don't know, surprisingly or not, yes surprisingly I zero points from patreon at all subscribers like but how did low get one point well, and belong is, got very... zero but you know i think there are a bunch of songs on here
1: that are very close that are very they're similar but it's like um chimp dna and human mm. dna like it's 99 percent the same but that one percent mm-hmm. is what'll get you i guess and i can see how you would yeah. be like low is my Low speaks to me, but Belong doesn't. Because why does Belong speak to me? It's making the same mistakes that I complained about for other songs, but for whatever reason.
2: And, and you know, totally, because what did I just say? It's once again, we're at the, the the place in Michael Stipe's vocal register that I don't like to be, and yet this time I'm okay with it. So you're right. Fair point. Listeners, I do not mean to defame you. <laughs> I'll
1: do it. Kidding.
2: Um, now, I, I did call, I called for a clip for our next song, which is Half a World Away, and this is... Um, well, I, before I say anything, let's just hear My it, mind
0: but. is racing always will. My hand's tired, my heart I didn't think, I didn't think of you, I guess that's all I needed.
2: <sighs> okay, I feel like every R.E.M. album has at least one great ballad of yearning. This band always knows how to make yearning beautiful. And to me, that is this song on this album. Uh, Others include Try Not to Breathe, King of Uh Birds, Night Swimming, At My Most Beautiful. Like, this band can fucking yearn. And I think there is something so...
1: (laughs) This band can can fucking yearn.
2: yearn. (laughs) But you know, it it reminds (laughs) me, Michael Stipe is kind of unique among all of his indie rock brethren, meaning specifically the boys in that he is willing to express quiet pain in a way that the rest of them weren't. And I feel like it's probably partially because he's queer. I'd like to think that because then it makes me feel like I belong to him more. Anyway, whatever, that I understand it more. But I just think this song is beautiful. I think there is something so achingly true about lines like my mind is racing my hands tired my heart aches as in i've been writing thinking and feeling about you all fucking day i'm on the other side of the world either literally or emotionally and there's just something about the beauty of the propulsion of the melody and the way that those stringed instruments are pushing us forward and i just find this song It touches something in me very deeply, and I I love it. And it is my number three song, and I gave it nine points.
1: Wow. Um, I did not give it as many points. Uh, I had forgotten all about this song, but it immediately came back to me along with, once again, that feeling that uh, they have, like, Side 2 is a great album, Mm -hmm. and Side 1 is... Like, the single and then some other shit. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I like this song. I don't... It seems to repeat a lot of feelings and sounds and ideas from elsewhere in the album. Like, I think your point earlier about ordering and that this was ordered poorly is a good one. I think maybe they should have swapped this one and um, low or, like... I don't know. If this or had just been the third song on the album, the album
2: in between losing my religion and near wild heaven, it would have been the the first four songs on this album would have been flawlessly tracked.
1: Yeah, I I think that's I think that's true. Um the the harpsichord is a bit much and here's the thing, my first thought also this came back to me is that when he said his hand was tired, I did not think <laughs> it was from writing and maybe I should just leave it there. I don't want to ruin this for you.
2: But you know what, though? Here's the thing. Even if he is talking about test-firing the baby cannon, I think that actually still works. I'm still into it because I think I've – (laughs) gentlemen, ladies, take a break. Gentlemen, I think we all know that there are people in our lives who have made our hands tired in that way, too, and it doesn't make it any less sad. Oh, oh, ladies way. don't do
1: this. No, How many but... times have I said I would be in my bunk? Excuse oh, me. You're right.
2: I'm sorry. I just was thinking about test firing the baby cannon in particular. But oh you're yeah, right. no,
1: there's yeah. Well, I I don't want to judge any ladies. <laughs> uh, you know, biology is a beautiful, that's right, varied thing. I don't I don't know what everyone has going on below decks, and I don't care. You know what? Yeah, that's all that's I'm true. saying is
2: I should not jerks have off. been so binary. Here's the thing, listeners. No matter what your gender uh no matter how you identify we've probably all known someone that has made our wrists hands and uh loins ache to a point that stopped being fun and instead seemed to be a little bit uncomfortably needy even if we were yeah, by ourselves it just
1: made you feel shitty about yourself yeah um
2: mm-hmm. half a world okay. awake we're a family um, podcast i promise
1: yeah, I was just like, didn't we have a listener say that she listens to this other daughter? Dear listener with the tween daughter. <laughs>
2: Mommy, what's the baby cannon? Hush, dear.
1: We are sorry. We will create a separate Patreon uh, fund for her therapy. In the meantime, I'm going to rank this number eight on the uh, in my rankings. It's four points. All right. I That sounds like I didn't like it, but I sort of liked it fine. It was just one of those songs on this album that's like, uh, it doesn't quite doesn't quite get there for me
2: fair enough fair enough uh the <laughs> this is the third song that listeners <laughs>
1: puberty uh, happening live folks <laughs> enjoy
2: half a world this is the other song <laughs> that, that patreon subscribers gave five points so that means that this song now has a total of 18
1: half a world away yeah no kidding their
2: big three were radio song losing my religion and half a world away
1: that is fascinating i know right and uh chalk one up for masturbation and healthy sexuality that's right just kidding don't add me that's not what it's about i'm sure um shall we move along to Texarkana?
2: yes i would prefer not to move to Texarkana, but so we can move along on our listings to Texarkana. yes
1: let us not physically move to Texarkana. um This is another one that, sort of based on the opening chords, it seems like it's repeating some tonal ideas from before it on the album. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't have a clip for this. I really like this song. I like the pacing. I think it's interesting that the vocal sounds uh, remote, for lack of a better word, like transmitting from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, The... There's this like sprung type rhythm on the chorus "Catch Me If I Fall." Uh, I think this is actually the one with ten thousand stars in the. You evening. know
2: what? It's so, I just realized that that is correct, <laughs> but that actually prefigures what I'm going to say about the song. So please, carry yeah. Out. But
1: that's the thing. Like, this is repeating a lot of the same ideas from elsewhere in the album, and I also like. I don't know. I think this album maybe should have just been nine tracks and not 11 mm. but i really like this song and it i could almost smell i've never even been to tex arcana i drove through arkansas one day five years ago um i've been to dallas i i don't know what it would smell like there but i felt like i could smell it
2: mm-hmm.
1: this is my number three song on the album with nine points
2: sarah that is amazing see th- i'm so glad we don't talk about this in advance. I never would have guessed. Yeah, um, and so- I
1: take it this is not a feeling that is shared. By no,
2: the- here's the thing. I like this song a lot, too. And it's the other song on the album with lead vocals by Mike Mills. And it just by dent of where it falls in the album, I always get it confused with Near Wild Heaven, as I did yes. earlier when I got uh-huh. the lyrics to those two songs mixed up, because I thought that the Texarkana lyrics were the Near Wild Heaven lyrics.
1: And I, even though they were in my notes, I didn't catch it until I we went to this page of my notes and I was like, oh, right. Like, there are a couple songs on here that are like, do you need both of these? Could we do a death match?
2: So I think that for me, I just, in a way, flipped a coin, and of the two Mike Mills fronted jangly songs, I just chose the other one to rank higher, but I wouldn't kick either one of them out. I do think it's important that they're spaced as far apart as they are on the album, because if they were back-to-back, yeah, sure. you'd think it was one eight-minute song. But uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I put this song in eighth place and gave it four points, but again, that should not be construed as a negative. It's just how the chips fell. And uh, the Patreon subscribers gave it one point, so that is oh. 14 points total for Tex Arcana.
1: I really thought that was just going to be a non-starter for everyone, but dear Patreon subscriber who voted for that, thank you.
2: (laughs) So that takes us next to Country Feedback, which is a song that mentions Est, the now-defunct psychological cult type self-healing thing that happened in the 80s i think they're defunct i don't know but there there's like a big part of the americans that tv show that's about est and i had never heard of est until the americans and i had never realized that they talked about est in this song until i looked at the lyrics for my notes on this episode
1: I didn't realize that either. I have this note about that. I was like, I'm not 100 what's going on here. But if I'm right, it's about the bitterness and resentment of dealing with a mentally ill loved one. Is that way off or could that be true? I think
2: you might be right, actually, because let me just let me just read to you the lyrics. Um, We've been through fake a breakdown, self-hurt, plastics, collections, self-help, self-pain, est, psychics, fuck all. I was central. (laughs) I had control. I lost my head. I need this, and I think it is something about being in a mentally dark place with a person who's also in a mentally dark place, and trying to pull each other out of it.
1: Yeah, I I actually liked this song. I had forgotten all about it again. Uh, I found it very interesting, like not easy to listen to. I'm not sure I would like go back and sort of marinate in it because there's like very, that pain is definitely getting surfaced successfully. But I also like that they paired it with this dobro sound that you wouldn't Mm. expect necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like that's a country sound, but this isn't a country song way of dealing with this kind of thing. Um, So I love that they called it, it's like feedback, which I guess is an S. But then it's country feedback. Like, that's I don't know. It's really smart. Um, Stipe, Stipe is right in that um the sweet spot of Stipe for Sarah, which Mm -hmm. is like it's it's thoughtful, it's intelligent, it's it's coming from a like depth of experience, both being a songwriter and being a human being, but he's not being so like. Oh woe is me, the misunderstood poet about it, which I don't, ca- I don't care for. I don't know. This is someone who's friends with Jane Pratt on purpose. Like sometimes he gets a tone, and I don't care for it. Um, <laughs> I ranked, I ranked this song number five somehow, but that's just what happened. So seven points.
2: Bunsy giving it the five Z's, and ex-
1: you know, yeah. someone almost is- gotta get the five Z's, Marksy.
2: Oh, baby cannon, what? I don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, this song is so much of its time in that, like, alternative rock bands nowadays, oh my god, listen to me, <laughs> day, but I just feel like the current trend in alternative rock is to be more nakedly cynical and wounded after, after emo, post-emo, I feel yeah. like that this is the kind of song that's thoughtful and a little oblique that is not really being made right now by a lot of rock bands that I'm listening to at least. I yeah, feel like
1: it, Yeah, it's like oblique, but it's not so it's not buried so far under so many layers of um imagery that you have no idea what's going right. on.
2: It's tantalizingly it's just like a little vague.
1: oblique and then you're like, I think it's about this. Yeah, like I had a whole story for it. It's not like I didn't know what was going on. I just had a theory.
2: Yeah, it's like it's just vague enough. I feel like there's this this album and really this song. They just really encapsulate what was going on in alternative rock music in the early '90s. It was this I, type so of good. song.
1: Yeah, they so like, good.
2: Everybody was in like it was. Everybody was in college perpetually. Like you had songs like, um, <laughs> oh, what's that? um frosting on the beater was that band that the name of that band's album uh hold on the posies do you remember the posies oh
1: god sure i remember the posies i
2: could dream all day i could dream old and i know that and you know
1: the posies made a whole career out of p- dumb shits like me confusing them with either the pogues or the pixies right exactly they weren't that good
2: because when you go to the ucd store you're like oh that looks good and then they have the one good song and then it's it or, or yeah. I know that you know because you wrote about them on your on a on a Tomato Nation post once. Toad the Wet Sprocket is an oh, REM yeah. light band, totally uh-huh. writing this exact same type of song.
1: Even though they um, were actually the Gin Blossoms, they wanted everyone to think that they were <laughs> right. that they were REM lights, but they were actually Gin Blossoms dark. I
2: don't, I don't know. Who knows? Gin yeah. Blossoms uh, IPA, but uh, yes.
1: Yes, but Sandy. I like country.
2: I like country feedback too, and I, I only gave the song three points. But again, it, like I wouldn't skip it. Again, like I said, low is the only song I would skip. But I did only give it three points, and that means that it gets ten points because it got zero points from Patreon listeners. But now it is time for the final song, and I requested a clip from the final song. It's called Me and Honey. And before we listen to the clip, I just want everyone to know what you're hearing is actually the last moments of the song. So the end of the album is what we're going to be hearing. The last things we hear on this album are what you're about to listen to. Reasons I included that section is because Kate Pearson does all of that in one breath at the end of the song, which I just find so impressive. It's it's just such a great vocal from her. I love this song so much, Sarah. I love it so much. I love the story that it tells, which I think is about a man and a woman who are in a contentious relationship, and then, oops, they find out that they're going to have a baby together, and the song is called Me in Honey. Uh, ha-ha, I think we know what that means. The baby cannon fired correctly! But I just think that <laughs> uh, that story... <laughs> exactly. That story is so great it's so evocative and having kate pearson's vocal in there makes you feel like it really is a two-way conversation i love the driving quality of the song i love the excitement of the music underneath left me the load when they're both when they are both uh harmonizing together like there there's this weird happiness about the frustration that they're feeling it's like the kind of frustration you feel when you love someone and want to slap the shit out of them and i have always responded to that in this song and i just adore it i think it is so specific and wonderful this song and it's my number one pick it is 11 points from me
1: um so I think I used this as our outro like a year ago for something. So I was aware of how you felt about this. And when you called for a clip from it, I was like, well, good. Then that frees up two clips for me to pick. Cause that's how we do it. Um, I took no notes on this song uh, because it's just joy. The song, like I remember hearing it for the first time and sitting up straight mm-hmm. being like, what? Like, what is going on? I mean, this is not terribly typical of either the band or the album, except for that it's Kate. But her, like, you sort of, that guitar line starts, and then she's sort of, like, grumble singing at the beginning, and then she's, like, in full-on whale mode. And the fact that the this is the story that's being told... Yes! But... Over this song, like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Fandango and like when Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting queues up and uh, Sam Robards, who was at peak Fox at that time, is like desert surfing on the back of a convertible and drinking beer. It's that, but in a song. Like that is what this song is for, is to like do stupid stunts in the desert with your convertible and your friends who are 20, but then that's the content, and it still works. Like there's this joy and rage. Yes. Like fighting each other for most of the song. But then she, you know, joy in the form of Kay Pearson's voice wins and I love that like she kind of runs out of breath a little at the end because of course she does because that note has been going on for a week and a half. But they left it in because it was like let's make a note of the fact that that was like that was a really long sustain and girlfriend is tired and here's her parade. Uh, And doesn't
2: that also just perfectly fit the story of the song? like? You just eventually are exhausted. You've got, you're, you're, you're exhausted from being in the sun all day. You've been drinking cheap beer. You've been fighting. You also made out for a while. You had way too many kielbasa and now you need to go to sleep.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or in her case that she's like, not only do I have to have this stupid argument with you, I am going to barf because I'm pregnant. Like, because I'm
2: pregnant. Yes. Yeah,
1: my ankles are the size of Pennsylvania. Fuck off but I can still sing. Um, And
2: you know, never mind the fact that both Michael Stipe and Kate Pearson are openly gay. Like it does. I just also love that, that they're like, but you know what? Fuck it. I got to tell, I got to tell you a story. So I will tell it to you.
1: Yeah. I am exhausted. Um, I'm never exhausted by this song. It is on like all of my playlists somehow. Like if it's not on a playlist that uh, iTunes makes me, I will put it on there. It's like classical music and also me and honey. Like there's just (laughs) something about it when I'm going on my hashtag old lady walks that I'm like, this'll, this'll carry me home. This song. It is also my number one. Yes. I think we never matched before, but I had a feeling going in. I was like, I don't know where a bunch of other stuff is going to be, but I think we're going to be pretty close. And I'm almost positive that, uh. It makes
2: me so happy that we matched on our number one choice though. Because
1: the the baby (laughs) cannon, uh, frustration variety hour song (laughs) (laughs) it's such a (laughs) good song
2: well and patreon listeners gave this song two points as well so that brings this song's total to 24 points and i want to just say that i think you're right to say that this song is just joy because you're right it is i i could honestly listen to the whole thing right now
1: yeah same i was surprised that you managed to give us a clip that was not basically the whole song. Cause it's like, but then
2: there's this thing that happens.
1: All right. I, I so, want to talk about this part. All right. Well, let's, um, who knows what clip I'm going to put in here to pass the time while Mark is doing arithmetic. Unless Mark, you are ready with our top and bottom two. Unless we have a uh, tie. Let's see.
2: I am all, uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Our top three, I have settled and actually There is a tie, but it's only in the middle of our rankings, so I am able to now... Okay, so I am pleased... Well, let's start with our bottom-ranked songs first. Our... Uh, number eleven song on R.E.M.'s Out of Time, perhaps unsurprisingly, is low with a <laughs> mere four points, and I feel like that always happens to us. There's the the bottom song is always in the basement. Yeah,
1: like no, no doubt.
2: Like, girl, you don't even. Not only are you not invited to the party, but you don't even get to sit next to someone on the bus who was invited to the party. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh.
0: And then,
2: um. In our next to last spot, with a mere seven points, is Endgame, which uh, you know I feel like that's okay. I'm not yeah. mad about that. No, I'm not either. But you know, again, fine showings, uh, fine showings by everything else on the ranking. Everything else got over got ten points or more, which I feel like. Uh, you can you can walk home feeling proud about that if songs could walk, you know, and were anthropomorphized. Okay, so our number three song on the album with eighteen points was "Half a World Away."
1: Interesting, not where I thought that was going to go, and it definitely. would not
2: have ranked so high had it. That one is definitely because of the members, uh, and in fact, I think that yeah, it definitely would not have been in our top three were it not for the member points. And so that is
1: cool i like uh I like this added sort of shot of unpredictability, yeah, just like making you think about what other people are taking away from stuff that you weren't necessarily thinking about it's It's cool. so it, thanks subscribers.
2: I know I agree. I, I love having their them there to uh complex add complexity to what's going on. um in second place with 21 points is losing my religion. And drum roll, not really needed if you've been paying attention, but in first place with 24 points is the joy bomb that is me in honey.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Who, well, I don't know. Actually, I am not surprised by that at all, but I am gratified that some subscribers also voted for it, and that for once, even if only in a small way, I was right. About the <laughs> un- unplanned pregnancy joy bomb that is me and honey cause it's such a good song
2: right I, I, yes, you correctly called where this would end up, I think uh based on some twitter some Twitter suggestions you were making, and I say, yes, ma'am. All
1: right, folks. Thus concludes a another album ranking from Mark and Sarah talk about songs, and this one was Mark and Sarah and subscribers talk about songs. So it was Messastus, and that was really fun. Uh, we thank all our subscribers just for being subscribers and listeners and caring about the podcast, but especially for participating. Uh, we love to hear what you think, especially when it's not what we thought you were going to think. It's super fun. So thanks again. Bye.
2: Sarah, I hear the rain falling at your house, and for some reason that reminds me that we need a new bumper. What do you I, think?
1: I do love the way your mind works. Uh, yes, we do. And here's some of the information that we need in our new bumper. This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, which is hosted by me, Sarah D. Bunting, and you, Mark Blankenship, and edited by me, Sarah D. Bunting, who wrote our theme song today. That's important.
2: Well, that would be Laura Barger and Jack Baldelli, and we do praise them. And let me know that if you would like to praise us or would like to tell us anything, you can contact us in one of the following ways. You can reach us on email at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, on Twitter at TalkSongs, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. We'd love to hear from you with song requests, with ads, uh, requests with anything you'd like to tell us at all frankly because we do get a kick at appearing from you but Sarah I think there's one more exciting thing they need to know
1: there is and it's this you can become a producer on this fine feathered podcast by going to our patreon page at patreon.com slash for a small monthly donation you get access to exclusive content uh, audio content made just for you polls about our next ranking episode that you get to vote on and direct the podcast Uh, It helps us keep the lights on around here, pay for hosting and all that unglamorous stuff. And uh, we really appreciate your support. And, uh, yeah.
2: Well, and now the last thing that we appreciate is your humor and your patience as we try to say this part in unison. Because this This is is Mark and Sarah Sarah Talk about About... Solid songs. songs. Pretty good. I'll take it. Sure.